Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian, and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? In today's episode, I have the honor of speaking with Reverend Jude Harmon. He is part of the clergy at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco. And today we talk about Jude's experience during the world pandemic. And he shares a bit about some of the unique processes that have unfolded during this time, one of which being a really special and and sacred experience of helping a member of his congregation transition into the afterlife uh, and what that experience was like for him. Also continuing to uh, marry people during this time, uh, which is quite unique. And Jude also shares a bit about his upcoming book that he's going to be uh, releasing, hopefully, uh, within the next couple of years around marriage and marriage equality from a theological and biblical perspective. Uh, And he's just a really sweet, loving human, Uh, shares a lot about the resources that he offers members of his community and congregation and uh, just the different things that he's doing in the world to help others thrive and survive during this tumultuous time. Enjoy. Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian and today I have the honor of speaking with my friend Jude Harmon. Uh, Jude and I met shortly Maybe a couple of years after I had moved to San Francisco, um, and I I feel like we kind of have like come in and out of of connecting and um, just sharing uh, yeah a shared San Francisco <laughs> experience I guess you could you could say but. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Uh, I think maybe a little over a year ago, uh, my partner, Finn, um, started joining you and uh, Darren at Grace Cathedral, uh, having some really um, just thought-provoking conversations uh, around what it means to be gay and um, the connection with spirituality and sexuality and yeah it i feel like those uh, witnessing those conversations getting to be there and and hear them um it just made me really interested to hear more um just about you and and maybe on a little more of a personal level Uh, so that's why i was thinking i'd have you on today and yeah I'll, i'll let you maybe introduce yourself a little bit more if there's anything you'd like to add Thank you for inviting me, Sam. I appreciate it. And yeah, I miss I miss the in-person experience of being able to gather as a community to kind of talk about these big picture things. Um, it was a lot of fun to engage Finn and Darren in those questions. And I, especially in that setting, I think it was quite provoking, as you say, like people were maybe open to sharing, but also definitely their mindset was like in a place around like what is their relationship to institutional faith or religion in that context, which is really powerful. Um, and when you're not in that physical space, when you're not actually in a building like that, uh, it's a different kind of energy. It's a different kind of vibe. Um, and that's probably like the, the biggest thing that feels like it's shifted for me. So 
a little bit of background. Uh, my name is Jude. Um, I grew up mostly in the Northeast, so a lot of my family is in Connecticut and Massachusetts, um, and then a lot of other family in Mississippi kind of lived there for uh, part of my high school years, um, sort of random. Uh, and yeah, I moved to San Francisco like eight years ago and uh, this July, and like you said, we sort of had uh, kind of a little dovetail experience there for probably like three years at the beginning of that time. Um, Lots of beautiful weekends in Dolores Park. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I remember. <laughs> uh, that was such a strange time because it was like the drought. So we had like this kind of quasi LA weather for three years. Um, <laughs> and yeah. now, now we're in this new strange time. So mm -hmm. It is quite an interesting time to be in California. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of folks are trying to get out, I think. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I'd lived in San Francisco for, uh, I think it would have been 14 years tomorrow. Tomorrow's oh, wow. the 25th. Yeah. Um, and, and with everything that was happening with COVID hitting, I think I, well, even before that, I was, I was ready to, to get out. So I did. And, yeah, I, I think um, one of the things I like to bring into the conversation uh, is is why I, I started the podcast and how it's it's really been this evolution of starting with checking in with people and how they've been doing uh, during the pandemic and how it's uh, just affected them. And I like to ask the question, how are you doing really just to kind of get into a, a deeper uh, layer of things and yeah so so how are you you doing really uh, with everything that's going on right now <laughs> and I, I just love like how um how delightfully subversive that question is because i'm usually asking that question <laughs> so when he told me the question i was like oh that's such an interesting question i, I don't think i've reflected on that for a while it's one of the strange liabilities of being clergy is that you you're constantly attending to other people's spiritual lives and inner life, but you often don't have time to reflect on your own. So it was sort of a privileged space to be called back into that question. I thought, huh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sit with this for a moment. And um, I think, I think like a lot of people, um, I am tired of the pandemic. I want it to be over. <laughs> I think that's like just the top level experience. Um, and, uh, and in some ways uh, feel sort of um, both like extremely despairing at times and other times more hopeful and I've been in a really long time. Um, we mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement maybe before this recording started. I feel like the pandemic is ripping the Band-Aid off of a lot of these, um, these old wounds that uh, we too quickly ignore. And I think uh, especially particularly, you know, uh, white people tend to treat as, um, uh, just inconvenient to have to spend time to think about or to work with. Um, and we haven't taken the time to build the kinds of human connections and relationships that we need within uh, and across communities to really even begin to ask the questions that need to be asked, which is fascinating to me. Um, uh, so there's, there's all that, but then there's also this other piece, which is really interesting um, for me, at least there's a lot of, uh, 
I get a lot of the anxiety in the system <laughs> coming at me from different points because people, you know, come to us with their cares and concerns. And I am, I am also deeply conscious of the fact that there are just so many people right now who are out of work, who have taken massive cake cuts or trying to figure out how they will make ends meet. Um, and that's very real. Uh, that's very top of mind as well. Um, and, uh, and then there's this other part, which is kind of interesting, which is like the, the personal stuff and thinking about how people are relating. And then there's like this meta level thing that I think very few people are actually talking about, um, which are like the big structural changes that are happening under all of this. And some of the really huge questions moving forward. Um, uh, one of the really, really big questions I've been grappling with lately is the economy, which probably sounds weird for <laughs> like a priest to be talking about the economy, but um, uh, it's a huge, huge issue. And I, I don't think we've ever been in a situation like this um, and probably not anything comparable since like, you know, the thirties. Um, and there's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of, uh, a lot of question marks hanging over everything. Um, but I, but I sense that there's a, a pretty big shift coming, a pretty big shift, a really big realignment. Um, and I, I wonder if people are, are ready for that. I wonder if people have any sense of what it's going to feel like once it hits. I think right now, uh, a lot of what we're experiencing day to day is being propped up artificially by the stimulus we're all experiencing. Um, so I have some big questions about that too. And maybe that's a separate conversation for another time, but that's been very top of mind for me as well right now. Yeah, no, I, I really, I, I've had, um, multiple conversations with friends, uh, around the economy and what's going to happen and just knowing people who have been really uh, impacted by all of this, not, not able to work in the same way that they used to and having to rely on the government for funding and um, to, to be able to maintain uh, a, a living, you know, and, and kind of being at the, um, I don't want to use mercy because I don't know if that's quite <laughs> the word, but it, yeah, it's just like having to put all the faith and trust in, in that, um, the unemployment to, to really be able to support us as, as we're going through this and, and to know like we, for some of us um, who, who work in, in person with a lot of people, we don't know when we're going to be able to work in that same capacity and, and maybe working um, for me being a massage therapist amongst other things. Like I, I relied on that solely for so long and it's, it's been really um, just interesting to navigate. How do I move forward? How do I continue to work? And I, I've been, been able to kind of get out of a little bit of a, uh, a space of feeling like um, helpless uh, at times and and really find a drive to create a new way forward and that's like that's one of the biggest blessings for me uh, going through all of this is really finding new ways forward and um, collaborating with friends and um, other people in similar fields to create new 
new experiences for people and and mostly using zoom as as the way <laughs> way to do that um i imagine being uh, a priest you're you're still in contact with a lot of the the members of of your church in in some way or another and i'm curious to hear how um just knowing some of their experiences has has impacted you and and if there's ways that you've been able to support them or, or send them to places for resources yeah that's a that's a great question um and so we have a our, our congregation tends towards an older demographic um and i think a lot of uh, our seniors are feeling exceptionally isolated i think if you're you know a little bit younger like you and i then it's probably easier for us to be social in certain contexts to feel like we're, you know, our life isn't necessarily under threat the same way that it would be if we were in our 60s or 70s. But folks in that age range are exceedingly, exceedingly cautious that I know um, and really worried. Um, and, uh, and they're living with the pain of isolation because, you know, the communities that they, they had, those communities of support, have just had to physically withdraw. And there's just no substitute um, for real human contact. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that's at the center of our, uh, our Christian faith and the context of the cathedral is the idea of the incarnation, the idea of, um, of God taking on flesh. Um, and so things like giving someone a hug on a Sunday, you know, um, waving to them on the cathedral plaza, you know, having a little conversation in the corner, those things, um, they just don't have the same quality, and some of them can't happen at all, of course, in a digital interface. Um, and so there's a deep sense of loss, I think, for folks. And Dr. Fauci is saying that anyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one at the end of 2021, which is um, a, a long ways out from where we are now. It's, it's hard to imagine doing this for another year and a half. Um, uh, and so I think there's just a general sense of frustration, of anxiety, um, with the uncertainty that's um, just pervading the entire system right now. Um, I'll say some of the most moving experiences I've had so far are ministering to people virtually as they die, which has been uh, really profound and uh, hard, but also beautiful. Um, again, you can't, you know, when someone is dying in our tradition, we, we go to them physically, we, you know, we are, we hold their hand, we pray with them, um, we anoint their head with oil. Um, there are certain things that we do to help them prepare um, uh, and to help the communities around them prepare. And absent those gestures, you know, those very humanizing gestures, um, I feel like we've had to figure out ways to, uh, yeah, to innovate, to, to make those connections in different ways. And one of the things that's been really beautiful for uh, one of the people that I did this with, um, her family was with her. And so I was, it was a Zoom last rites and they basically did the manual gestures, the, those kinds of functions for me. They were like my, my hands in that moment, which was really kind Your of cool. surrogate yeah. hands. Yeah. yeah, it was really neat. Um, I, and I mean, it was, it was just deeply meaningful for, for the person who was experiencing this, who, who was dying. And, um, and that person, once that process happened, that person died within a matter of hours. Um, 
it was so important that that person receive this experience that that person moved through it. Um, yeah, that was really, really touching. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a very special, uh, intimate and, and unique experience. And I think about when I was younger, getting to be with my, my grandma before she passed away and we, we were there that day at her, at her house. And, um, there's something really special uh, about that experience as they kind of transition over that I I can't quite put into words, but it it deeply impacted me. And I I just feel really grateful for that opportunity. And it it seemed like she went really peacefully. And I mean, not not everybody gets that that opportunity to be with family, uh, to go peacefully without Mm -hmm. pain. and, and I think one of the things that I think a lot of us are being put in touch with is the, the, the reality of death, uh, the reality of mortality, mm-hmm. um, especially during this time with so many people who are uh, affected by COVID and then also just other uh, events that are happening, with the fires and so many things, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been happening all along, but it, it just seems really magnified in this moment, I think, for a lot of us. It is. And I think because it's so magnified, people are finding themselves becoming reactive to all kinds of things, including just very small things. Um, and, uh, and that's also been really interesting to watch. You know, like uh, if you work within a staff, um, if you have conversations with people about their work life, it's like uh, people are... I think a little bit moodier than, <laughs> than they normally would be. And, um, uh, you know, every system is like that right now. It feels like, you know, families, you know, work situations, uh, church communities, everyone is just kind of experiencing this moment where uh, because the stakes feel so high with everything else, um, yeah, the slightest thing can become a, <laughs> can become a cause for some serious drama or, <laughs> you know, yeah, I I'm I'm curious to hear just some of the things or, or resources that that you offer um, your community or yourself even or your loved ones um, during times like these. Yeah, so this is so funny. I mean, the one of the chief things that we do is just to um, uh, to let people know that we are praying for them, and that's not like some abstract thing. Like we're actually writing to them. Um, I'm in the middle of sending out these little cards that we compose to our congregation and sign and, uh-huh. and sometimes leave a little personal note and just ask how folks are doing and if they want anything for us, you know, anything that they would like us to pray for them with is really important. Um, we've also started these kinds of small um, digital gatherings, uh, just like small groups where people can just talk about what's going on in their life and start processing that. I'm actually going to be offering one soon in this next Um, the small groups it's going to be around grieving and sort of the grief process um so i'm i'm really excited about that because i do think um again for people who are going through a significant grieving process there it's been sort of uh short-circuited in terms of the access that they often have to the support systems that you really need to move through that to be present to it in a way that is ultimately healing if you will um uh so i'm i'm really 
I'm really excited about that. We also offer, of course, our, our services every single week. Everything has gone digital. Um, and so uh, those are all ways that people connect. Um, there's also these, uh, these really cute um, finger labyrinth walks that happen on, uh, <laughs> on the, uh, the Friday of, of each month. Uh, there's an organization called Veritas, which started at Grace Cathedral and is now its own um, 501c3. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we have like two to 300 people every, you know, every Friday doing a finger walk with folks, which is really pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. So that's neat. I think about just my experiences with the different labyrinths throughout San Francisco. It's, it's kind of one of my uh, goals that I set out to do is just to go to as many as I could find in in the city um, or around it. And they're, they're really meditative for me, just kind of going into it, walking, trying to just clear my mind or have something specific as I, as I go through it that I hold and... Um, I think it's really fascinating that they can <laughs> do that together and, and use their fingers. I have actually this um, little like metal plate that I got for Finn oh, and it's a, a labyrinth and you have this wooden stick that you actually slide yeah. around uh, through it. So that that's what that reminds me of. That's totally it. Exactly. And this is like, you can use your finger. There are, um, there are uh, print resources, there are digital resources. Um, people can actually order little finger labyrinths if they want. Um, there's also an app actually um, that you, and that's what we use mostly in the, in the little lab, finger labyrinth box and you can trace it. And as you move your finger along the labyrinth, it like has like a little like light. It, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's really sweet. But I mean, it's just like, I feel like people are looking for any excuse they can to connect, you know, I think that's a really big part of it. It's like, yeah. It is. I, I have a couple of clients that have just shared their like longing for physical, physical connection uh, with others. And I think one of the things that I try to bring people to is like, rather than kind of, externalizing things finding it within and and i like obviously trying to find physical connection within can be a challenge i i don't know that it's fully possible i i do guide people through like self-guided massage and and touch um that can be really nourishing and and relaxing and i know it's not the same effect that you would have if you're physically uh with with other people but it I know a lot of people who are just, they don't feel safe enough to, to kind of let that boundary down and, and connect with others physically. And I think it's, it's one of our biggest needs, you know, is touch, um, human touch. It really <laughs> and, is. Yeah. No, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I also love that because <laughs> I, I usually can't get massages because I'm too ticklish. <laughs> I went to this, like, I think I've only ever had like two professional massages that I was like, I'm going to try this one more time. And the last time I think was in Cancun and this sweet little like older lady. And I was just like laughing the entire time. And I felt so bad afterwards. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> she was like oh. it's too much, not enough. I was like, no, I'm just really sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> 
And is that something you've you've experienced your whole life? Is, is oh yeah, just... I've always been pretty ticklish. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's totally random. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I like the idea of self-guided uh, massage. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it. it I, I started doing um, these workshops weekly, uh, and now it's kind of every other week through an application called Tantra for Gay Men. Oh yeah! Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. We we have men from all over the world that show up. Um, there was somebody from I think New Zealand in one of the last ones, like a couple weeks ago, and he had shared how he moved there from China and just was. Um, really missing uh, connection with his his community back home and just having the the connection through the app and, and the practice um, really brought him a lot. So it's surprising what, what we can do yeah. to and, and with ourselves. I, um, I'm also curious about your, like, you're in a, a relationship, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has it been um, just having each other through this process? <laughs> like, is it, I don't know if you're constantly like around each other or you get like breaks or yeah, just curious how that's been. No, that's a great question. Um, I feel like, uh, and I'm, I'm sure he would have his own perspective on this <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it's a little bit like a pressure cooker, isn't it, for a relationship because yeah, you are, you are around each other constantly. We both have jobs where we are working from home in uh, a very small space. It's physically a glorified studio. It's a junior one-bedroom, which means the bedroom is part of the rest of the space, like a half wall, you know? Um, yeah. So, uh, so no, we're, we're just, like, you know, always trying to negotiate those boundaries. Like, I think he's in the bathroom right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, like, uh, so, so we're always, like, trying to figure that out a little bit more, but yeah, it's definitely not easy. I think that anyone who's in a relationship right now is having to figure out new ways of, uh, of kind of, um, yeah, negotiation is, is the best word of just negotiating this new reality. So you don't, you know, get on each other's nerves constantly. And, um, and I think more than that, like, how do you actually, uh, you know, love on each other? How do you, how do you continue to show affection? How do you share space together? All of those things are just, um, yeah, but you know, uh, we're both a little stubborn and, uh, and you know, he's Mexican, I'm Italian. So there's a lot of this <laughs> and that's okay. I feel like we, we we're pretty good at taking it in stride and, you know, working through stuff as it, as it arises. I think for mm-hmm. us, it's actually brought us a little bit closer together, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think it either brings us closer together or kind of drives us apart, you know? I imagine, yeah, there's, there's lots of people who are getting to know their partners a lot more than, than they maybe had before, just by nature of being around each other that much more. Like before we had space and time to kind of go out, work, come home or, go on vacations even just getting like breaks here and there from away from each other and time for ourselves. I'm, I'm someone who really benefits from having my own time Mm -hmm. and, and finding a way to ask for that now. Um, 
I think it was a little hard for me at first and I'm getting a lot better at just saying, Hey, actually I'm going to take the rest of the day just to kind of read or do my own thing. We can reconnect a little bit later. That's a great point. I think every relationship struggles with that even before the pandemic is that, that balance and how each of us has those different personalities and needs. Um, and it's definitely been all amplified and, uh, and intensified <laughs> by the, by the situation. I think, um, I think, uh, so one of the things that I try to do, I see all these books behind me. I'm in the middle of a research project for a book I'm trying to write. We'll see if it eventually happens. Um, and, uh, and I, I felt like we had gotten into this rhythm of just working really hard during the day. You know, we each have our jobs and then at night, just like being exhausted, overwhelmed, like ready for all of it to be over and just like, you know, kind of zombie Netflix mode where you're just like, going from one show to the next and I was like okay you know I need to be able to make space for me to do the reading to do the research and he was super supportive actually you know and has even been uh, helpful in holding me accountable at times to be like you know get your butt off the couch you need to you need to read you know you need to stick to your plan so so that's been really good yeah I'm, I'm very blessed that way yeah what if you don't mind me asking what's the the premise of the book or your research? Yeah, so the basic premise of the, of the book is about, um, it's about marriage. Uh, it's about the, the history of marriage, kind of from a biblical and theological perspective. And it's uh, making the argument that there is no such thing as some kind of special protected class called biblical marriage that needs to be preserved in order to exclude gay people, um, or to put straight people under inordinate pressures um, uh, as they try to enter into what is, uh, you know, a very, a very challenging uh, institution to navigate. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's kind of the general, the general. Just there's a lot more to it, but that's that's basically it. Wow. I um, I'd like to just share like my experience growing up. I I grew up Mormon. And my, my parents, they, more so my mom, you know, she had this dream of me getting married in the temple and to a woman and procreating, having kids, big family, doing the uh, perfect kind of Mormon thing. And, you know, I, after I came out, um, shortly after turning 18, uh, I, and, and thinking about marriage, I was just like, oh, it's not even like a possibility for me, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and at that point I hadn't even really explored my like sexuality, you know, and, and I think marriage and, and sexuality, like that's what I tied to the space in which I was going to be able to explore that. So, so it was kind of like completely um, off the table, um, according to Mormonism until you get married. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a, a pretty big like internal process that I was kind of carrying and, and grappling with throughout just being a teenager and, and wanting to explore my sexuality and then sharing with my, they, they call it a, a bishop in the Mormon church. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you've 
committed any sins um and masturbation was was one of them and, and like every boy on earth you know like yeah <laughs> you know yeah no, totally <laughs> and and just being a 12 year old and uh that because at the age of 12 like young men in the church are able to receive the priesthood but you have to be worthy in order to receive the priesthood oh, okay and i like i i was pretty honest i i think more honest than a lot of the other guys my age and <laughs> so i i told them you know i told them i was masturbating and that prevented me from being able to perform my duties in church and there was just this whole like shame thing that happened by not being able to do it people wondering asking maybe assuming what was happening i don't know but it really it really impacted me like having that kind of ingrained in in me from a really young age and just kind of circling back to why I kind of went into that story is now, you know, I'm Finn uh, proposed to me back in February. So like right before uh, shelter in place happened and I, you know, I, even then I wasn't sure that I really wanted to, to get married. Um, but I, the, the few, weddings that I've been to recently, like it just made me realize how special that experience is for me, having my family, my friends, my loved ones coming together, witnessing us in this really beautiful ceremony, you know, and um, celebrating our love. And there's just, I think there's magic that kind of happens in that experience, you know, and, and it's like people are coming together to honor your union and kind of say, here, we we want the best for you. We want to send you our love. And um, yeah, it's it's been interesting to notice the shifts in how I kind of um, envision myself, envision that for, for myself now, you know, and obviously I'm at a different point in my life, but I, I think for so long it was just not even an option. So I'm I'm really happy to hear that that's something you're doing some research on and and going to be writing about. I mean, I'll be really interested to to see oh, what thanks. you put out there. Yeah, no, it's really it's a really important issue for me because I feel like um, most people assume that it's a settled issue in the country because of the Supreme Court decision, but you know, in churches, it's not even close to a settled issue. It's, it's an issue that you know hasn't even come up in most churches. I think because it's inconceivable. Um, and sort of actually trying to say, well, no, this, we need to make space for this conversation and that the basic assumptions and givens around why we can't have that conversation are actually deeply flawed um, and ultimately completely incorrect. Um, and so sort of that's, that's sort of the, the, basic, the basic idea. And I, I just agree. It's like, you know, uh, one of the things that grace is obviously it's a, it's a destination place. It's a place where people go to get married. Um, and so I've officiated something like 80 weddings, maybe, in the time that I've been there. Um, and, uh, and I love them. I love weddings. I absolutely love it. <laughs> it is such a great moment. It's like you get to be there, and they're so cute. Like, the couples are always, like, you know, they're really nervous. And, like, it, and they're just – it's a moment for them to be joyfully vulnerable in front of everybody and for everybody to kind of receive that vulnerability in a loving way um, to hold it in a loving way, which is actually pretty rare in our society. Most of the time, people's vulnerabilities are exploited um, to hurt them. And this is a moment when vulnerability is honored and lifted up 
um, and held. And it's such a beautiful moment. It really is. And, um, and being able to prepare people for that moment, being able to help them understand, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect relationship. We are always growing as human beings um, that we can have honest conversations with each other because that's true. Um, that's just such a, it's such a gift. Uh, so I, I'm like, I both love weddings and, and I, I like the idea of marriage generally and I want people to have happy and successful relationships. So, um, so that kind of all is coming together in biblical theology and I love to nerd out in the Bible. So like, it's all like mm-hmm. converging in this book. It's kind of exciting. That's awesome. Have you, have you married anybody during this time virtually or? Yes, I married one couple in an outdoor ceremony that was fully you know, authorized uh, by the health people and the government and everything. Um, so that was really wow. neat. Yeah. <laughs> that actually made my whole, like, year. I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much, so much of our lives have been put on hold in a sense, you know, and it, there was a, a friend of mine who's his adopted son got married and he sent me pictures and it was in, um, Orange County, and they had gone to uh, there was a some big uh, stadium parking lot where they had set up these booths for people to go and oh, wow. and, and get married, you know. And I, I'm just it, it makes me happy to hear mm-hmm. that people have have not completely stopped um, and and continued their plans to get married or or whatever mm-hmm. um, things that they they. Need, I, I think it's necessary, especially during a time like this, to still have these things moving. Because if we completely stopped everything, it's just like, what would what would that feel like? And and I I know I had a brief kind of period of time. I'd say that first month um, where I kind of really stopped a lot of of what I do. And it was really good to, to kind of reflect. I, I think having some time just to reflect on, on things really helped, um, to just clarify for me what it is that, um, I need or what I, what I really care about and, and how I want to express that to those that I love and in a time where I feel really vulnerable and concerned for their health and, and my health and my well-being and theirs. So having this time to kind of slow down a bit is has been nice, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. And with the work that you you do with Darren, have have y'all been doing any uh, work together still or Yeah, so we have uh so in place of a, a live practice um, which we, you know, we usually have every Tuesday at the cathedral, we have like between, um, you know, five and 800 people doing yoga in that space. Um, and it's amazing. And it's, there's nothing like it, I think, anywhere else on earth. It really is a very unique and special experience. Um, and you can't really replicate it. Uh, Darren and I talked a lot about this at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like, you know, do you want to do some asanas from your house? You know, like, do like a little, you know, and he's like, is that, is that really yoga on the labyrinth though? Is that like, you know, is that what this is about? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point, you know? Um, uh, so the, the kind of compromise that we've reached uh, for the time is that we have like a, 
a 15 minute conversation. He and a clergy person or a member of the community have like a 15 minute conversation. And then we post uh, uh, an audio of a previous yoga on the labyrinth experience at the cathedral from the archive that people can, uh, can listen to and practice to. And I've actually practiced to a couple of them and it's really, it's really great. Um, I love it. We are looking to eventually move toward um, uh, filming a very small practice. So right now the parameters I think is uh, 11 or 12 people um, doing yoga out, outdoors. And we are, we're definitely looking at that. We're also um, collaborating actually with Yoga Journal to do um, a really exciting thing with them, which uh, is going to be like a fun little preview, I think, of what that will look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so honoring National Yoga Month and, um, and uh, National Coming Out Day and having different practices that help lift up those themes and communities. So excited about that too. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, that, that's really... I, I know that being able to go and, and do yoga on the labyrinth was... It was a highlight for me, uh, a peak experience, you know, that many people in such a beautiful space, you know, especially when they had the, there's an art installation with the all the, the ribbons. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the ribbons were <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I still, she's a, she's a friend of mine, the artist who did that. And she's done several installations across the country since then. And uh, she's so amazing. She's, she's such, such a great person. Um, it was really fun to see her work lifted up like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I miss it. I miss, and like to your point, it's just like, you know, that embodied experience, there's no replacement for it. Um, and, uh, and just trying to find worthy proxies, you know, um, we know we can't, we can't, you know, create an equivalency, but how can we, how can we create something that at least evokes the experience in some way? And that's kind of the, the challenge right now with all the virtual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we kind of wrap things up. Sure. When in in your life did you you realize like your your calling in life was to to do the work that that you're doing? That's a great question, and I I get that question a lot. Um, I would say like uh, I had I grew up in a you know you hear these horror stories about Catholic parishes with terrible priests. I had the exact opposite experience. I had just a lovely, wonderful uh, person. His name was Father Ray. I grew up Catholic. And, uh, and I, I thought, oh, I want to be like him. You know, I want to, I want to do that. He was, um, he, you know, he always preached love and he practiced it. He really, um, we grew up in a very poor household. Both my parents were disabled. And I mean, he, he personally went out of his way to, to try to help us to make sure that, you know, we had food on the table that basic necessities were taken care of. Um, he just modeled, I think, uh, the love of Christ in a really powerful way. And so I, as a kid, I said I wanted to be a priest. As a, like, just a little kid, I used to get teased all the time in school. He used to call me priesty boy. <laughs> <laughs> priesty boy, priesty boy. Oh, that was awkward. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, later in life, you know, you grow up and, um, and, uh, and I went through this whole, you know, the coming out process, which at that point I wasn't Catholic, I was more evangelical um, and having to really wrestle deeply with the whole questions around scripture and faith and all of that. Um, and then this whole deconstructive process that happened in college where I feel like I left all of it behind 
Um, and, uh, and then in graduate school, weirdly, like, you know, you don't expect to find God at Harvard, but like, like I just had a couple people well-placed in my life who were like, maybe you should reconsider this. And, um, and just that, that very old kind of inkling, it started coming back and I thought, I don't think, I don't think I'm over this yet. I think this is something I actually really need to pursue. Um, I had, so there was a kind of second, um, second moment of grace with that, which was that, uh, I had transitioned out of, um, an internship at a, at a Catholic, uh, Catholic community in the heart of Boston, the Paula center, which wasn't great to be honest. Um, and I'm not going to get into details, but, uh, some of the old boy, uh, kind of attitude was still present um, in, in what was supposed to be a very progressive institution. Um, and uh, and I, was, uh, I was in a, a preaching class with a dear friend of mine who had just kind of quit the PhD program in French studies to do an MDiv, totally random. Um, she's amazing. She's such a genius. Uh, um, and she's like, well, I've, I've discovered this community of brothers, this, uh, this monastic community in Cambridge next to the Kennedy School and they have a service on Tuesday to come check it out. Um, it was called Society of St. John the Evangelist. And I did, and they were just such wonderful uh, souls, just beautiful people. Um, and they welcomed us in. You know, they had us, uh, they, they regularly invited guests into the refectory for dinners on Tuesdays um, and just getting able to chat with the brothers and, uh, and learn more about their vocation. And their preaching was was deeply pastoral, but also very thoughtful, very intellectual. And it was like, oh, this feels like home, you know. This is sort of where, where I belong. Um, and that, that kind of led me back into that whole process. So a series of, of certain people coming into your life, making an impact, and, and then also just at certain times later on in life, being kind of reintroduced to things or and things in a way that, Maybe you aligned with a little bit more. Um, I I didn't like think much about uh, religion as being political, but I'm sure there's there's like politics that are in, involved with the decision making oh, yeah. and how progressive things are or not. And oh yeah, yeah, it's I'm sure it's a lot to kind of navigate. <laughs> but it seems like you're in a, a pretty um, progressive uh community at grace and and oh, yeah. i imagine y'all really take good care of each other i we definitely do our best i'll say that and uh and it is a blessing to be part of that community it's just like um you know the cathedral genuinely cares about the city it's always asking you know how can we serve the city better um and it is it's always you know looking at the community you know asking the congregation you know what do you need how can we be better for you and um and our congregation is always doing that work too in their personal lives, you know, uh, seeking justice in the wider community, um, you know, before they ever step into our doors. Um, that's, that's part of a lot of their, uh, what makes their journey so meaningful for them. Um, and sort of just as an amazing community in that sense, like everyone coming together, really trying to, uh, to lift everybody up. And again, this is a, it's an uncommon thing I feel like right now, you know, um, so much of our society is oriented towards tearing each other down. It's just, it's a great thing to be in a space where you feel like, yeah, a rising yeah. tide for all boats, you know? 
There's, uh, I feel like there's like an adversarial kind of element to the ways in which people kind of engage with each other in the, the world right now. And it's just nice to have communities and spaces in which we're really bringing each other up, you know, supporting each other through challenging times. So I, I'm really grateful that you, you took the time to come on and, and share uh-huh. a bit about how, how you're doing and, and the work that you're doing. And I'd love to uh, just be able to send people to, a, I don't know if you have a website that we could refer them to for the yoga or the labyrinth walking or yeah. any of the resources that you mentioned today, community gatherings. Sure. Yeah, no, totally. I can... I can send those to you in links if you want, or um, uh, gracecathedral.org is where you can find a lot of the stuff for the cathedral. Um, Veruditas.org is where you can find the labyrinth blocks. Um, Facebook and Instagram, I'm there. Jude Aaron Harmon, you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, both kind of my professional pages. So I'm often linking to things that are happening at the cathedral there, um, particularly in my area. And um, and yeah, and yoga on the labyrinth is primarily a Facebook reality at this point. So yeah, okay. those are all always you can connect. For sure. Great. I'll make sure to to get those links from you and post them in the show notes so people can have direct oh. access to them. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening today. If any of you'd like to find out more about the work that I do, you can go to samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email. That's sam at samsebastian.com. Much love.